DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Thane Marshall, Milford High School football coach, Bryson Barnes, high school coach. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. We wanted to have you on because it, there were a lot of great stories of the Rose Bowl, but one of them was the walk-on coming on and throwing the game-tying touchdown pass and blowing everybody's mind. I think expectations were pretty low. And I'm curious... Where were you? What were you thinking as all of this played out? Did you go to the game? You're sitting home watching on TV. Set it up for us. Well, uh, my son, who's my offensive coordinator, and I were both sitting in my living room, and uh, we were we were pretty pretty excited when he got to go in, and and you know everybody else's expectations might have been pretty low, but when he went in the first series, we're like, let him throw the ball. He can do it. He can do it. We we knew once you know once he got in there. You could see it in his face on TV that there was no pressure at all on the kid. He's he, he has worked his whole life for this. We were surprised that he went in because he was not listed as the backup and we don't get to see practice anymore. Were you surprised? No, because we stay in pretty well in, in, in contact with him and and we kind of knew that he was taking kind of the he, – he was right with Cam all the time and, and him and Cam, I guess, are pretty good buddies. And uh, Cam's tutored him pretty well. And I'll tell you one thing about Bryson that a lot of people doesn't don't know about the kid is I would bet my ranch that he probably put him in more uh, study than, than anybody on the team. That, that's just the way the kid is. He, he was probably more prepared than, than any, any, any player on that football team that stepped out on that, that field. So That's I was just, just re- was. I was just reading a story about how expensive it is to raise an elite quarterback, and they went into all the people in Southern California who are, and, and there's more than a half dozen uh, the people down there who are providing tutoring, and they're all working with lots of kids. And it went into how uh, how expensive it was, how that priced a lot of people out, and. And it went into families that didn't live in the area and had a problem. There was a there was a family in Vegas, and how did they? How are they going to get elite coaching and all that? How does an elite quarterback grow up in a in a community that's got one A high school football? What what makes him this good? Where does he where does he get all this? He he went to a lot of the quarterback elite camps, but. But my son was the quarterback at SUU, and he played for Coach Aaron Roderick. Uh, was his coordinator, and I think it, I might I might be wrong, but I think Coach Sataki was there. They, he was there during the, the coach Gary Anderson uh, time, and and my the, my offense coordinator Wes Marshall is is also a study you know of the game, a student of the game, and and they worked hand in hand with each other. Uh, my son worked at the jail here in Beaver, and at the time he's now a school teacher in Milford, but. He he would be working the graveyard shift, and him and him and Bryson would be on the phone, and 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 they talked football continually, and they they had watched film that 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 both be on their computers side by side, and you know they're not hardly any one A schools run the air raid system, but but we do, and Bryson stepped in the, the second game of his freshman year, and he went forty three and five as a starter in Milford High School, and and so I mean that's. That's pretty phenomenal for the smallest school in the state of Utah that plays football. 
What's his story as to how he ended up at Utah? Do you know? Well, he, you know, <laughs> the problem was is we couldn't get him recruited because we were one A football. That's what everybody kept saying. So his senior year, I went out and beat up the schedule. He he, we went out and beat Ogden. Come to our place, we beat them. They were a four A school. We're a one A school. And uh, we beat South Summit, which was the two-time defending state champion that year. And Bryson, just him and uh, Coach Scally, I believe, was the one that recruited him. And, and he'd go, uh, he went on visits up there. And, and uh, he really fell in love with the school. And, and they, they offered him a preferred walk-on. And he turned down a couple of scholarships to, to live out his dream to play at University of Utah. Where were the scholarship offers? Uh, SU come in late, you know, and uh, that they we we'd been toting them since because we're all alumnus of of SU, SUU, and and he, uh, you know, and we started toting him as an eighth grader to them, and they come in like December of after his senior year to offer him a scholarship, and we're like, you know, sorry. And, and they kind of got mad that he went to university on a walk-on and turned down their scholarship, but look who threw a touchdown pass in Rose Bowl. That'd be Bryson Barnes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the story has like become legendary, uh, raising what, 12,000 pigs. Now, I'm a city guy. What does that mean when you're raising 12,000 pigs? What's that about? Ooh. Well, we're the largest, I believe we're the largest hog, we've got the largest hog farm. I know we do in the United States, and it might be in the world, right here in our backyard. And that's, that's actually helped my program because it's been able, to, the young kids have been able to stay home and get a job here and raise their kids. So, so it's actually put a few more kids in our program. And, uh, but yeah, Bryson and his little brothers, and they, they get up and, and, if they don't have school there, they're at the pig barn with their mom, and their dad's a railroader, and he helps out at the farm. But but basically, it's their mom running the pig barn, and, and it's a nursery, so they have little baby pigs in there. They get to a certain certain uh, age, and then they put them into a finisher barn. But uh, yeah, it's a great big barn, and they walk along. And I've I've never been in one myself, but but uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal of what they do, and it, they they work hard. So I was in uh, I was in 4-H in San Diego, <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't have any experience raising pigs, sheep, uh, and a little bit with dairy cattle. But that's a long story. This has gotten so corporate. I wasn't aware that kids would be working at a pig farm because now they're massive. This isn't people with you know mm-hmm. twenty animals in their backyard anymore. Right. So oh, yeah. so he's yeah. actually in the barn with the 12,000 pigs grinding away. I mean, I, I can't believe they're still feeding them, you know, with buckets of feed or whatever. I no, thought all it, that had moved along. What What is he really doing? It's, it's all automatic. The, yeah. the, they have conveyors that go in and feed them all. And and I'm not sure on the nurseries how they, they have to go in and, and see if there's any sick pigs or stuff like that and vaccinate them and, and, and things like that. They're, it's, they're, they're like there four, five, six hours a day and Walking in and out, making sure all the all the mechanical parts are working and everything like that. So it's it's pretty amazing. How many kids do you have on your football team? We have anywhere from thirty to thirty five every year. And that's enough. It, it's kind of yeah. We you know as long as we can have twenty two, 
you know, I'm I'm an old school football coach. We we scrimmage to the ground 45 minutes at least a day. Most of the time, it's an hour. I mean, I don't know how you teach a high school kid how to hit if you don't hit in practice. So, amen. Just you know, it's just the way it is. Thane Marshall joining us, Milford High School football coach. He coached Bryson Barnes in high school, and you're going to be you're going to be completely biased when I ask this question, but I still want your perspective. You obviously were rallying around him to get him into a college program, and he gets there and he throws the Rose Bowl touchdown, which is awesome. How many kids at your school, and how many kids across one A high schools, could get into a college program if people saw them and? Took, and I guess if, if college coaches had the time to see them and take them seriously and really know who they are, you know, there's 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 not a whole lot. There's not like you get up in the four A, five A, and six A classifications, and you don't have twenty. You know, you don't have eleven D one players on your team. But but every once in a while, we'll, we will get one or two that can actually go to the D one level. And we have a lot that I think that can play at the at the subdivisions, you know. But but you, you only get. I'll be right honest with you. Bryson has has worked harder than anybody, any player that I have ever coached in 31 years, and and he has has self made himself into where he's at. I mean, he. I was talking to one of his elementary teachers yesterday, and and he said when they went out to PE, the only game that that Bryson ever lost and. MPE was the one where the teacher played quarterback and then he cheated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and, and, and he was serious. And I got to tell you a story about when Bryson was eighth grade, he was one of my managers on my football team. And, and I had an old school defensive coordinator in there and he knows football. He's coached at the junior college level and, and, and in Southern California and stuff. And he was drawing this defense up for our offense coordinator. And he said, what do you think about this? And Bryson said, well, if you did that, I'd, I'd throw the ball right here. And the guy said, well, then I'd run this coverage. And Bryson said, well, then I'd throw it there. And the, the defense coordinator turned around and looked at him and he said, who the heck is this kid? And I said, well, he's all right. He's an eighth grader. He'll be our starting quarterback next year. And he said, get him out of my meeting. He actually <laughs> kicked him out of the meeting because he couldn't design a defense to stop the kid. Nice. And that's, that's an eighth grader. So obviously it's such a small town. You probably have intense relationships with a lot of the kids that you coach as you're watching that game and he throws the touchdown pass, was your reaction that of pretty much like he's your own son? Oh, yeah. You know, the sad part about it is is, is, is I'm surprised I've done this whole thing without crying because I'm still full of pride and, and the tears just every time somebody posts something, an article here or an article there, you know, my son and I reached up and we high-fived each other just like in in, in I jumped up and, and we had one of my uh, my son-in-law's friends from Germany was here and he thought we were all crazy. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> and we watched the next game and he turned to my wife and he says, "You know, this game's not near as exciting as the last game." Sure, yeah. <laughs> so we 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 raised the roof off our our house here in the, out in the country and you know I, I think the whole county of Beaver County was was the same way. I mean, he's he's a very well liked young man. I mean, he's. He's a great football player, but he's even a, a greater person off the field. 
You know, there have been plenty of fans wondering what could have been done differently to win the game. You know, should they have gone for two? Should Kyle have used timeouts? Should they have onsides the kick or maybe let him score to get the ball back? And there's plenty of people wondering about, well, what about the third quarter if they'd scored there? Maybe then it would have been different down the stretch. And I'm thinking that you think they probably should have just thrown the ball on second and 17 his first snap. Because he came in on second and 17, they ran it twice and punted, and it was the next drive when he really started to look good. So they should have just taken Ohio State, just shocked him by coming in and throwing on one of those first two, <laughs> first two plays. That's what you would have done? Well, who am I to, to uh, question Coach Whittingham and Coach Ludwig? But, you know, I, I would have my, – my deal either on second down or third down, I would have let the kid pull the ball and run around the end and maybe not throw it that early, but, but at least – because everybody knew that they were going to Thomas. And I would have – and the kid showed – I mean, Bryson's got great legs. He led us on a drive when he was a, a senior. We were we were down one point and, uh, against Millard in the semifinals with a minute 12 to go with no timeouts. And we had the ball on the eight-yard line, our, our own eight-yard line. We had to go 92 yards. And he did most of it on his, with his legs. And scored with nine seconds to go through the same through the same pass as he threw the other night in the Rose Bowl. Well, he did let him pull it once, and uh, and he ran for a big first down. So maybe yeah. maybe yeah. you're onto something. So you well, know that's that, that he he we ran the spread offense, and he probably had I think he was our second leading rusher every year. So I mean he he's very capable of it. Well, thank you. Congratulations on uh, all the success down there at Milford. You've won a lot of games down there, and uh, you've had some pretty good teams, and, and now you've had a Rose Bowl moment on top of it. So congratulations, <laughs> and thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great. You know, I, I, it's, it's always great to be able to talk about one of your favorite kids. Dane Marshall, Milford High School football coach, Coach Bryson Barnes, and, uh, and got the Rose Bowl moment, all the excitement. Yeah, I would expect uh, here in the next couple hours to see Rising put his name in the transfer portal. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's what we love about sports. This kid out of nowhere and all that stuff. And the pig farm, he's become legendary in the last 48 hours or so, 72 hours. And and it's just fun. I mean, count me out. But I'm going to count myself out. And I'm going to do whatever I can. And that's obviously he was a a prodigy at that level. Nobody had any idea. Certainly I didn't. I didn't even know he was going to come in. Uh, And that was a surprise to me. And then to to have him have success is just, it's an an incredible story. And who doesn't like, every, every one of us likes incredible stories. Let's see what happens going forward here too. You know, it's one of the reasons why maybe, I don't know this, but that big hot shot out of Southern California left. Figuring out, I can't beat this kid out. My um, wife's exact question to me when he came into that game, because they said he's from Milford, Utah. I was like, where's Milford, Utah? <laughs> I said, go to Beaver, drive west. Yeah, and many times I've gone to Beaver and driven west. You have not. I've been through that town. I told you that one, one time. It was uh, the I-15 that was in uh, Cedar. And the the rain was coming. I mean, you could see the the, the water That's when they had the, was coming they, down. They had the flash floods. Yeah, and you could yeah. see it. It was coming down on the highway. And I was on I-15, and I had to go across. I had to make a decision in instant to cross the median, get over, get out, and then they wouldn't let you back. We, we waited for like 45 minutes and couldn't get back on I-15. So we went from Cedar someplace west, and we <laughs> ended up going through this town. And then we caught I-15 
a little bit north of Beaver as you're first coming in. So I did drive through that place that one time. It was, uh, I think it was, it was in the spring maybe, maybe summer, uh, when they had that that flood come I down. I it was in the spring because yeah. I remember you coming up back and saying, hey, look at this. Yeah, it was, it was outrageous to see that. Obviously, this water come running and you see where it's going. It's going to go right on the freeway where you are. And who knows what's going to happen then. So we got out of there and to go through that community, you got a taste for just how small it is. And it's a phenomenal story, man. We all love that story. And this is one of the more phenomenal ones. And then he had success. I don't blame Ludwig for basically taking the air out of the ball. That was the right thing to do at the time. Because you don't know. You can see what he can do in practice and whatnot, but he's never but played. But you don't know in, about nerves in a game. Yeah, he's never you played just, in anything that's mattered. He'd been in two games in the regular season, but it was mop-up duty, obviously. Yeah. And then One of them had been Weber. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. Yeah. And to see what he can do in that situation. Yeah, they Weber and then the uh, it was the first game and the last game, Colorado. And he, he did some stuff there a little bit. <clears throat> and to have him have this opportunity, maybe he could have. And it's too bad that it couldn't have gone into overtime. Because then obviously you're gonna you at that point you're playing to win the game. And what could he have done? It was this close away from being it was an incredible story, but this close away from being even more incredible. And 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 the players lift him off the Put him on his shoulders, and the crowd chants, "Bryson, Bryson, yeah, I Bryson." Got it. I got it. <laughs> Rudy, you've seen the movie, people. You'll recall the scene. Hit it up on YouTube. <laughs> and they they flash to his father. This is the greatest sight these eyes have ever seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. For a guy who doesn't like the movies, you can quote him. Well, it's Rudy. <laughs> it is Rudy. You got me there. <laughs> Everybody knows Rudy. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. The Jazz went in New Orleans. We're talking with Ben Anderson coming up at 9 o'clock. The Pac-12 commissioner is throwing down the gauntlet. He's going public. Feel like he's challenging the university presidents and ADs here? Don't I, put it all on me in the conference office. Yeah. I'm going to do my part. I know what my part is. The media deal's got to change. You know what? It seems to me that he was commissioned to do this. It's, this reminds me of Bronco Mendenhall. They told him, we can't have any of this other stuff that we had, and this is a mockery of our religion, and it reflects poorly, so we need to put this out there. And then Bronco decides to be a preacher in addition to a football coach. I know he took a lot of heat, but that's what he was but charged you know where to it, do. you know where it came from. You can yeah, trace yeah, it y- back. Yes. We'll get yes. into that next. DJ and PK. Because a lot of things you demanded in the 7 o'clock hour, I think those conversations have already happened. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Frank Dolce right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Looking ahead to next season, Tavian Thomas, let's just assume he's back. Cam Rising's back. You do lose one of the best defensive players that's ever played at the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd. But the scene does seem to be set for this team to be really good again next year, don't you think? This is a football team that has significantly fewer question marks heading into 2022 than they did in 2021. With that in mind, with what looks like a staff that should still be intact, and with some terrific young players who really performed well this year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the South, but I think it's still a conference and a division that Utah can dominate, especially this coming season. 
What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Purchase a Ford fan zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fan zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Ben Anderson, co-host of Jake and Ben, coming up at 9 o'clock to talk jazz basketball with us. George Klavkov, the new commissioner of the Pac-12, has given some interviews here. You think he's on a little media tour, PK? This is... uh. I think Too he has made friends with media and has given him them their number, his number, and said, call me. And the end of the bowl season, the end of the Rose Bowl is a natural time for all these uh, people to start looking ahead to next year. And how is the Pac-12 going to up its game so they don't lose two games to the big sky and go 5-5 five and five against the Mountain West in a regular season and go 0-5 and five against BYU and get swept in five bowl games? I saw him on the Utah sideline, gave him some bones, said a what up, dog. Did not. You did not say what up, dog, to the commissioner. He didn't hear me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he didn't know who I am. I'm not a big shot. In this not game. yet. I'm nobody. And But I saw him there, and it, it was funny because everybody on the sideline was basically um, resolved of the fact that Utah was going to lose the game. Because we all knew there was plenty of time for them to go down and get a field goal. If it was a touchdown, it might have been another story. So he was there, and I saw family of Whittingham's just have anguishing looks on their face because they knew what was going to happen. Because he he outfits his brothers and son and all that, and they're all there, and every one of them goes to all these games, and most of them be on the sideline or at the end, uh, they'll come down, and you knew what was going to happen, but. Yeah, so then he, Klavkov must have told these guys he's available because these these writers, they've been getting at, at with him. And I give him credit, man. He's addressing the issues head on. There's no point in ducking them like Larry did and try to make everything sound so great. Nobody cares what your rowing team does. Sorry. Don't tell me you've got a comprehensive athletic conference. It doesn't matter. You're going to have the money to fund a rowing team. You better have a full football stadium on Saturday. And there's going to be a full football stadium on Saturday if your team wins more than it loses. If it loses more than it wins, then you're going to have empty stadiums. And Cal and Stanford and UCLA, Arizona have all been really empty. And the fact is the Pac-12 is an afterthought. And I don't take any pleasure in saying it by any stretch. But i got to speak the truth as I see it. I mean, it's all – you turn on any program – like this morning, I'm driving in, and of course they're talking about Georgia and Alabama. I've been listening to the national shows here for three days, nothing about the Rose Bowl, because I got the satellite. You know, and you turn on the NBA radio, and they're just breaking down the Wizards. Isaiah Sola went to Maryland for college, and he's a New York guy. And they're just breaking down the Wizards game, and Kuzma scoring 36. I mean, I get where Hayward was coming from, wanting to get the starlight. Because it was hard to get it here, and it still is hard to get it here. Because you go on these shows, and that's what they—that's what they talk about. The Wizards were they five hundred team? Who cares about the Wizards? Forever, yeah. But that's—that's the way it is. And so we're way out here now, and it is the gravitational pull towards the southeast is so freaking strong that you've got to go in there and see. Okay, what did they do to get to this point? And you got to copy it. And that's just. 
open up checkbooks and just make winning the highest priority. Football winning. And it's great that you have a strong women's basketball program. That's outstanding. But it doesn't matter near as much. And let, let's face it, we're not slighting them by saying it. We're just saying this matters way more. And in that portion of the country, it matters way more. And until it matters way more, it's not going to be what it want, what you want it to be. Having an opportunity to travel to these places, growing up in, I grew up in the Northeast in the first part of my life, and college football is not much there. Consequently, they don't really have any good teams Rutgers, there. BC, UConn, and UMass now, but not then. So it's Notre Dame. Yeah, and it was Penn State and Notre Dame. Uh, and that was pretty much it. And then, you know, I grew up in Pac-10 country, and then in this job here, working for the Watchdog all those years, and in this job now, I've been to a lot of these places. And for me, Mr. Cynical, it was eye-opening. It was literally eye-opening to see Utah State go to Louisiana to play LSU and talking to, uh, on a Friday, I went to Utah State's, had a little practice. And so, you know, they would, McDenny was as, as easy to cover as possible. They needed the coverage, right? So I could just walk right in and, and, and view it. You didn't have any problem. Hey, with Mick, that. how's it going? Yeah, Good, well, PJ. I mean, I didn't go up to him down the field. <laughs> no, but, but after <laughs> practice, you'd... right? But I, yeah. I was able to just walk in the stadium when they're right. having their walkthrough, and and I'm talking to a uh, campus policeman, and off to the side in the fields there, you could see all these uh, RVs, and I'm I, I remember and we're going back because it was uh, three days before 9/11. And he's telling me, well, you should see it if it's a conference game. They're here on Wednesday. People are driving in from all <laughs> over the state. Yes. Probably means alumni are driving in from Mississippi, Arkansas, and Texas. And sure. it's cheaper than a hotel. Yeah. And you want to do it six times a year. Probably more, but uh, for the home games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's just off the charts. This is Utah State. And the game... Is they're going to play it, it's going to be starting at like 4, 5, 6 o'clock somewhere late afternoon, really early evening, right? And the sun, it was three days before 9-11, so the sun is still up. And I remember thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to leave way early. So I leave two hours early, and it's only my hotel is not more than two miles. And there's no traffic. No traffic because they're already there, and they'd been there for hours, and it was raining, and I'm going down the main drag, and you can see, not the RVs, just the, the, the people who are tailgating with their big screen TVs. There were thousands of them, and they're already there. And they'd been there for hours. And then one other time, I go to cover Utah basketball, and they're playing Kentucky in the NIT where you'd have these games and then the winners would advance to New York. Oh, and Majerus was steamed because they uh, they tricked him. He was supposed to get two home games and they gave him Kentucky as a road game in order to get there. And it was the Friday before Kentucky-Tennessee when Tennessee was all that. And I'm staying at the hotel. 
I was the only one not decked out in full orange regalia. <laughs> I was smoking, but I was the only one. They took over the hotel, and it was all night. And it, the entire hotel was me and the orange. It was unbelievable to me. Those are just two examples. I've been and to many other places. Those are regular season games. Yeah, Utes, yeah, yeah. The Utes just rallied for the Rose Bowl in SEC style, but it was the Rose Bowl that got them doing it. Yeah. It wasn't a regular season game. No. They got the passion to that level. Yeah, I don't think Kentucky, they've since been pretty good. They've upped the level of their program. But back then, they weren't very good. They're, they're actually up at a, like an all-time high right now. Yeah. What they're doing now, I think they haven't done since Bear Bryant was there. And, and good for them. But that's the level of commitment and passion. And until you have that, you're not going to have the results. And I think that's what Kliakov's message is. Guys, invest in this as much as you can. Because he uses the phrase, the return on investment. And it's widespread, too. I don't know that you can even tangibly identify all the areas that it can improve your university. And that's what he's, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get a mindset of the chancellors and presidents to... Football is a PR vehicle for the university. And it's the biggest thing you've got. And you've got to win... At the highest level. And, man, I have been preaching for years on Arizona kids leaving because it's it's an epidemic. They leave in droves. Absolutely. It's a shock if either school gets a premier player in the state. It is not happening whatsoever. And now Klyovkov is picking it up on California. But you know I've been hammering this for 15, 20 years. True story. Yeah. And now it's per, now it's in California. Well, now it's a story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually happening. We looked it up. We were doing a show on this probably a year ago now, and it's happening in every state because we were talking about it because it's happening in Utah. And the Pac-12, the the schools and whatever state you're in, with the exception of Oregon, are not keeping the best in-state kids. Now, maybe, we've got a very small sample size, maybe Lincoln Riley is starting to change that because he did flip some elite kids in the couple weeks he was on the job before signing day. Okay. But there's still a lot of top kids leaving the state. Yeah. And it's a massive state, so you're going to have some. Uh, but the problem is when they go, you know, if they went to Oklahoma State, that'd be one thing, but they're going to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, literally. Literally, the quarterbacks are from the Southern California area. Right there. 45 minutes, hour away. And those two big programs can't keep them at home. And we'll see. We'll see what Lincoln Riley can do. But I don't... See, even if they do it, I just don't know that it could match the level You've got Nick Saban complaining because the sold-out crowd is leaving in the third quarter. That's not happening in the Rose Bowl and Coliseum. You're, you're going out there and kissing them because they're showing up. Leave whenever you want. <laughs> but please come. Yeah. So they're not even getting in. And that's why you have Shroud. You can go look it up. He said it last week. It's kind of boring to go to those games. It's not boring to go to a Ohio State game. It's not boring to live in Columbus. You are a big man at all times. The Rose Bowl has been 
partly empty for a long time, but it has been overwhelmingly empty for the last three seasons. Overwhelmingly empty. I don't think there were 20,000 people at the, when San Diego State beat UCLA before the pandemic in the Rose Bowl. I don't think there were 20,000 people there that day. And the fact is, I've been in the Rose Bowl when there's 45,000 there, and it had no, what, what Stroud was talking about, it had no energy. It was dead. With 45,000, it's, it's a huge place. I was there when there were 67,000 for Utah-UCLA. That was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was a pretty good environment. It wouldn't compare to the horseshoe being full at Ohio State. But it was still a pretty good environment. But every time there's another 20,000 fans, you feel a lot of energy go out of the building. Now this year, a little bit, you start to see it pick back up. It's a long way from where it needs to be. Stanford's a long way from where it needs to be. Cal is a long way from where it needs to be. They're never going to get there. Washington is a long way from where it needs to be. That has a shot to get there. Arizona's a long way from where it needs to be. That's never going to get there. It's never going to get back to 50,000? And we saw BYU and Utah go down there, and it looked like there were forty five or 50,000 people there. Now you go down there, and it looks like there's fifteen or 20. They announce a bigger number, but butts and seats looks much smaller. Well, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be that They've emphasis. been way down. I mean, they've been way down. And so just getting back to six wins would be a step for them. It's not a, an economically, uh, what? what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not a lot of money in that community. And uh, snowbirds who go to the basketball games, are they in town yet? Probably not. Everybody loves a winner, so that's what yeah. they latched on to U of A basketball. Right. And they're there then. Yeah. To your point, if, you're, if you've got uh, two condos and you're bouncing back and forth as a snowbird, you're not doing Tucson in September. If they win at a high level, I think it can be done certainly in Oregon, in Salt Lake, in Tempe. The Rose Bowl, Seattle, that's about it. So USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, Utah, and ASU have possibilities. If you win. Those six. If you win but at a high, high level, yes. But once you lose, they're out. Or you become mediocre, you got, which is all the devils have been for you years. you got no hope for Washington State, Oregon State, and Arizona. And really not for Stanford, Cal, and Colorado either. Those are the six you left out. Well, I mean, Pullman just doesn't have that many people. people. Their stadium's like 30,000. Right. So, right. You, yeah, I mean, even if you f- fill it, it's still yeah. way Corvallis small. Corvallis is battling some of the same stuff. Yeah. It's a long way from Portland. Yeah. And they're, 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 re, they're re, uh, redoing it now, as I understand. But it's a smaller community. So would obviously. they ever win at the level... Because LSU and Florida are in smaller communities, but it's like you said, they, uh, people are driving in from all over the place. They're filling massive stadiums. Well, yeah, I mean, if they win at the highest level, then yeah, any, anybody will have a, a waiting list if you win at the highest level, sure. But they kind of sort of go hand in hand, and I don't see them getting there. I mean, I, I don't see most of the six programs that I said could do it getting there. But at least they have some... At some point they've been there and there seems to be some hope they can yeah, do it Yeah, there was again. a time when the Sun Devil Stadium was 72,000. Now that time is long gone. And there's four pro teams there and that's but a it huge was, factor. It was there. I was there. I saw it. Uh, can it come back? Probably not. 
Uh, it's not going to happen under Herm. They're just they're they're spinning their wheels. They're five years away from contending in the South, minimum, minimum. So it's not going to happen. It's not happening under Herm. They can win seven, eight games under Herm. Great, but the ten wins and the uh, win in the division not happening. I don't see it. All eyes are on Lincoln Riley right now. Uh, Lincoln Riley, sure, yeah. But, you know, Oregon's got so much money, and they made a coaching change. Washington has had their time. And, you know, what do they got going there? What they brought up They're the Fresno guy, over. right? Yeah. And, you know, what, what, I, you know, he's not a big name to me, but I don't care about that. What can he do? You, know, you have an opportunity to make your name big. So I'm not going to put restrictions on him. New guys who start out. Let's see what they can do. A guy like Herm Edwards, he's been there for four years. I've seen what you can do. Not much. You'll be okay. Just like everybody else over there was okay, but nothing more. You know, what can Fish do? Maybe Fish can get it going on. You know, you can't really uh, criticize him for what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, they sucked. They, well, they he's no a new guy, and he needs a start, and yeah. he needs time. And they had They're a great a recruiting class, away. so maybe, maybe he can build it, and maybe he can build a University of Utah-like atmosphere in Tucson. Maybe he can, because they're two hours away from all these pro teams, and it's the U of A and nothing else. And they started making some noise. They got two big receivers that just committed. Big receivers they got committed. One's a UTEP graduate transfer. Yeah, and they just got a four-star grad transfer out of Michigan to play linebacker. Yep. So they'll be better, and maybe he can do it. Lute Olson did it in hoops. Who's to say he can't? Let's see what he can do. Give him, we'll know in three or four years what you got going. We don't know now, but it's not fair to evaluate him now. It's ridiculous to evaluate him now. He was taking it over after it had been torn down to the ground. So Lowest ever, yeah. He'll have to build it back up. Got to get to the middle before you can get to the top. Yeah, and I, I, think, they'll, I think they have an opportunity uh, to shoot for six wins next year. If not this year, then next year. But, you know, you're talking about six wins. You're not talking about uh, making a run at a playoff. Uh, so it has to be... A, a conference-wide commitment. And I think that's what George, as the commissioner, is trying to do. I'll get you a better media deal when it's up. In the meantime, you have to build facilities, raise money, hire good coaches. And you've got to come up with NIL deals because it's clear everybody else is. The money is going to flow. And if you have been paying to send your kids to camps, put them on travel teams, put them in seven and seven leagues, whatever it is, you're going to want some of that money back. I think that's the immediate way to go, is to get these deals, to set these high sh- hop sh- hot shot kids up with as much money as they can make. It sounds dirty, but that's the world in which we live. The 18-year-old justifiably has his hand out. His parents have their hands out. And they've already had their hands out. It's not like it's been, this is a new day. It's just a new day that it can be above board more and they can get more. But their hands have been out for years and years and they've been receiving stuff for years and years. But now, we we knew a coach told us, hot shot recruit to get an uh, in-house visit, 25 grand. That was to get a yeah. visit. That wasn't yeah. to get him. Like, if you're going to come over to our house and tell the world we're a finalist, yeah. we're in the elite group that did a home visit, twenty-five grand. Right. Now it's going to be way more than that. And good on these young fellows. If they've got this talent, cash in because the coaches, you know, this coach here makes over $5 million, and I'm sure he got a bunch of bonuses 
that uh, equal or probably, well, not equal, but probably quadruple times 100 my salary. <laughs> and good for him. But coaches routinely get 25, 50, 100 grand for being bill eligible, winning a division, winning a conference, going to a Rose Bowl, going to a playoff. And Kyle would have. Go, going to a bowl game. Kyle would have hit. Yeah, going to a bowl game. You're right. Uh, Kyle would have hit almost all of those, obviously not the playoff. And then you get money if they go to class. I go to class, you get money. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you kids are going to go to class. <laughs> it ought to be, where's my money? I'm going to class. Okay, so Steve Berkowitz, who covers this for USA Today, I just looked this up. College football head coaches at FBS public schools have now picked up over, uh, just under $13 million in bonuses this season. Yeah, I mean, and it's all just play money because they're all making outrageous amounts of money anyway. Plus, they get free cars and free gas and free country clubs. And and then you get uh, three three or four uh, vacations with your shoe deal. They have have conventions at uh, Punta de Mita, the Four Seasons there above Puerto Vallarta, which I heard from multiple people is just incredible. And somebody who's been there on a free trip... Has told you. Yes. It's incredible. Yes. And I don't begrudge any of that stuff. I would take it too. But this is going to be the price of winning football games going forward, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Whether anybody likes it or not. That's this the is reality, be the price man. Of winning and the fans games. don't care. That 60 some thousand, whatever, in the Rose Bowl, they didn't care. They were having the time of their lives. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ben Anderson talking jazz with us in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. College football's transfer season is ramping up, and the Pac-12 could be right in the middle of it on multiple accounts. Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Wilson, Williams Announced on his Twitter account, he's entering the transfer portal. He was the starter. He took the job away from Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler already transferred out of Oklahoma. Now the starter, Caleb Williams, with the coaching change, could make a move. Former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who was leaving to go to UCLA, announced he is instead going to flip and go to Oklahoma. So he clearly expects Williams to leave and to be able to get the job there. Williams to USC, PK. He follows his coach, Lincoln Riley. Well, that's the obvious. Sure, yeah. But also her UC Los Angeles. Or he didn't rule out going back to Oklahoma. He did not. Which means that Dylan Gabriel might not rule out whatever he's going to do. <laughs> All these elite quarterbacks looking at each other like, it's musical chairs. Where can I sit down and get a starting quarterback job? Yeah, not just a starting quarterback job, but where can it best utilize my talents? Because Williams could have stayed at Oklahoma. Right. Uh but where, he's got a new... Where's new... my best chance to audition for the NFL? Yes. And where can I get more NIL money? 
where what's in it for me? Do you think quarterbacks at this level are being dri- driven by the NIL money, or they've got their eyes on the NFL Every now? Every single person on the planet. I, ever I get born you want the NIL money. money by money. I know, man. but the NFL is the money. That's the biggest payday. Right, but why not get as much money as I can you now? Do wanna, you do want to get both. You obviously can go to the NFL from Oklahoma. That's a proven fact. But I think Williams is looking at a new staff, thinking, "How am I going to be used? How are they going to use the offense? Am I really going to have a good NFL?" If you're good there? enough, you're going to be in the NFL. A coaching staff isn't going to keep you down from getting to the NFL. I don't believe that. I'm sure there's some examples to one degree or another. But if you're good enough, so if you're if you're awesome, I totally agree. Was it was it Brandon Doman that kept Jake Heaps from the NFL? No, it was Jake Heaps who kept Jake Heaps yeah. from the NFL. And John Elway was on an incredibly mediocre college football team, and he had no issues. When you're that kind of slam dunk, fine. Right. I mean, that's Elway's, but you're right. going to the highest level. Exactly. I'm not going to, I'm just talking about making an NFL roster and making some NFL money uh, like Colt McCoy, who has hung around for many years now. Sure. But and, those guys are all worried about, hey, I want to be a high draft pick so that I get two years or three years to prove myself, as opposed to I'm a lower draft pick, things have got to break my way, where am I going? No, everybody wants to win. If you're good enough, Taysom Hill was a no draft pick. And he's just signed a twat. He's going to make more money. He can buy Pocatello if he ever wants to go back there. So <laughs> I don't... Pocatello's fenced off private property. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, Taysom Hill doesn't live here. Taysom Hill owns here. Uh, so uh, you can do whatever, man. I mean, they got this movie out by Kurt Warner about you're Kurt Warner. name it Taysom, Idaho. Yeah, so you can do whatever. I, I think money's a big deal. Yeah. Well, if you're worried about what future money you're going to get, why wouldn't you be worried about what money you're going to get now? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Jazz win again. That is 15 out of the last 18. But there's a loss to the Warriors in there. And that takes the edge off it. We'll talk Jazz basketball with Ben Anderson. Big month of January coming up. Big regular season games. We'll talk with Ben next. Stay with us.